0: You're listening to the Unhelden News and Review and Pharisee Watch brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths Travis Steele is the owner of Steel Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths, faithful volunteer and dramatist, Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast.
1: In today's podcast for Unheralded News and Pharisee Watch, we've got a potpourri of some interesting, ongoing things that are not always so great to to hear about. And one of the stories of which will mean that we're going to be paying more for food, surprise, surprise. Chuck, why don't you lead us off and talk to us about the ethanol subsidy?
2: Okay. Well, uh, any hope for lower food prices? is clearly out the window for we consumers uh, because we find out through a blog that we've quoted that the congress has just extended the ethanol subsidy bill for another year and they did this by at a time when they're supposed to be cutting all kinds of expenditures and this uh, ethanol subsidy of 45 cents a gallon for every gallon of ethanol produced was set to expire in December and would simply have gone away and saved the taxpayers all that money and the Congress has attached a little rider onto a bill that they that the Senate passed which is basically extending the generous tax treatment that has been given out by the Bush administration to the very, very wealthy multimillionaire earners, and attached to that extension of their favorable tax treatment was this bill that continued the ethanol subsidy for another year. Nobody even heard about this. There was no discussion of it, and I simply found it by re- researching for the bill and uh, came up with this blog. you find it on our website, and it means that not only will we be paying the subsidy to agriculture, But we will also be having to buy the ethanol that has an extra $0.45 cents, uh, subsidy attached to it and burn it in our cars, and it's going to, of course, create higher food costs on everything from chickens uh, to corn itself, which, of course, ethanol is made of. We don't eat much corn, but we do eat a lot of chicken, and uh, the chicken farmers are saying, the people that raise the chickens are saying, that they are experiencing enormous increases in cost of raising chickens because of the high price corn, so much for uh, cutting expenses.
1: Well, it's not. It actually probably was, was a pass by both Republicans and Democrats because the thought just came to my mind. Conservatives who say they're for less government and want to cut spending, well, it seems to me conservative means they want to conserve these subsidies. They want to conserve... Our military, they want to conserve all our military actions. And so we don't see much difference between the conservative Republicans or the liberal Democrats on issues like this, with a few exceptions, though.
2: Of course. That's right. That's true. It passed the Senate, and the Senate, of course, is controlled by the Democrats because uh, it was one vote and somebody died or, or quit and was replaced. And so the Democratic Senate did indeed pass this legislation, and according to the blog, who we're quoting, it is going to the House of Representatives, where the uh, where the Republicans are in control. And then the question is, will the president veto this appropriations bill? Which, of course, he should do.
1: We should, but
2: not extends, very likely. It extends a big tax break to the uh, high tax high-income earners, and in addition to that, it slaps a big tax on us, the ordinary income earners. There's another story that's kind of related, and that is about the tightening of the sanctions on the Iranian economy. Now, the real purpose of this tightening of sanctions, and by the way, this this was done by President Obama himself in an executive order that was signed, we think, today, and it says at a news conference. Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton and Secretary of Treasury Timothy Geithner said that the U.S. government would treat Iran's bank accounts as a, quote, threat to the government institutions, end quote, whatever that means. The step, uh, Geithner said, and he's the former, of course, banker, uh, means that any financial institution has effectively been warned, quote, you are at risk of sporting Iran's nuclear activity, as well as backing terrorism. So they're suggesting that people who do business with the Iranian banks would be considered terrorists. This is, of course, an outrageous reach because Iran is an exporter of oil and everybody has to pay for that oil. However, this is clearly a warring effort because in the history of wars, One of the things that's brought about war most readily has been placing economic sanctions, especially very painful ones, on countries that you're trying to goad into a war. So by doing this, what is being done is Iran is being put in the position where the people will be the ones who suffer. They're the ones who suffer from economic sanctions. And the pressure will be put on the Iranian government to do something. And uh, the, the hope, I suppose, of the people that are passing this resolution is that Iran will do something drastic and radical that will justify bombing Iran. What is the economic cost of this to us, the taxpayers in the United States? Well, the price of oil went up about a dollar a barrel today. The price of gasoline uh, in wholesale went up about five cents, which means that means about eight or nine cents at the pump, which you'll get tomorrow. And uh, we know that the price of oil will go up a lot more if these sanctions are really pushed through, because, of course, Iran is a big oil producer. And uh, the statement has been made that it is the intent of uh, the sanctions to choke off Iran's ability to sell its oil. So if they can't sell the oil into the world market, then we're going to have to pay more for the oil from someone else. And, of course, this is also true of Europe. France uh, has supported this, and Israel, uh, this uh, this uh, story of the event, was actually taken from the Global News Service of the Jewish People, which is a very Israeli newspaper. That's where I saw it first. It's other places now. But Israel made their own comment, and they said the president had not gone far enough to satisfy the state of Israel. So the state of Israel wants all-out war with Iran and is basically saying so. Stories story is there for, for you to read on our website.
1: U.S. tightened s- sanctions on Iranian economy. What I find the height of hypocrisy is the statement that uh, the government would treat Iran's banks as, quote, threat to government institutions, unquote. Well, the major threats to government institutions are our own bankers, our own criminal banking system. So this is really the, the height of hypocrisy, and we can only hope that the folks in the Occupy Wall Street kind of make this connection that they're calling the wrong people the bad guys here. Uh, you know, like, like you're saying, Chuck, it certainly is another excuse to go to war for Israel, against iran
2: right tom and iran's oil production which is one of the big five in the world uh, is one of the factors that keeps oil prices down here as was iraq's oil production and of course syria has oil production and we also see see civil wars being spawned and fostered in sudan which is a new oil producer as well so we We have our own government working diligently to cut off the oil for us. And, of course, it has to mean higher prices. And all of this time, our Congress is sitting on our hands, smiling and approving of the President's Acts. They could, of course, override this act if they wanted to.
1: Okay, good. Well, let's move on to some other stories here. These are related to Christian Zionism and a new term. I hadn't heard of it. Christian-Palestinianism,
3: and we'll learn a little bit about this. Leslie? Fear Incorporated, the Roots of Islamophobia Network in America. Wajahat Ali, others, November 22, 2011. This detailed 150-page report does not conflict, nor does it overlap our own studies on Christian Zionism, but meshes with our work. We both use the same name, Roots, in a different way. Fear Incorporated actually outlines the structure of the secular gang that promotes Islamophobia in the USA. We consider the Roots to be the historical origin of the religious cult that has fostered Christian Zionism, which does indeed practice Islamophobia.
1: For this next one that you read, we need a introduction to this. This is a piece by Rabbi Yekel Eckstein, and it's a dear friend of Israel letter. And this is very interesting. We'll talk about this because our work and other folks that are working to expose Christian Zionism is getting a little bit noticed here. And this is evidenced by this letter that he's written to
3: Dear Friend of Israel. Leslie? Which is called Assault on Christian Zionism. Dear Friend of Israel, Christian Palestinianism manifests itself in a variety of ways. It's on display in a 2010 film, widely screened at colleges and churches titled With God on Our Side, which claims to refute Christian Zionism but in fact offers only half-truths and outright lies packaged to appeal to Christians who haven't been exposed to the facts of the Arab-Israeli conflict. It has been taken hold at evangelical colleges like Wheaton in suburban Chicago where Professor Gary Burge indoctrinates his students with a pathological contempt of what he calls Israeli apartheid. And it's alive and well at megachurches like Willow Creek, where Lynn Hybels, wife of Pastor Bill Hybels, enthusiastically embraces the Palestinian Christ at the Checkpoint movement, which reduces Zionism to a, a modern political movement that has become ethnocentric, Privileging one people at the expense of others.
1: Thank you. Well, that's a very interesting. Obviously, it's kind of a little bit, little bit nervous uh, as far as what's being done. We've seen the movie with God on our side. It's very good. I think it's very even-handed. Uh, obviously, it is a little more leaning towards the Palestinian side, but they've got the. Christian Zionist supporters like John Hagee that are there and some Catholic friends actually watched this and they didn't really understand what Christian Zionism was all about. And when they heard some of the comments that they quoted, they actually had a direct interview with Hagee in, in in this video. They were aghast. They couldn't believe it. Uh, they, they, they just, it's, it's amazing. So, This is a good sign, everybody out there, that, hey, maybe we're making a little progress here.
2: Yes, and we might talk a little bit about these people uh, for the benefit of our listeners and any of us who are not uh, entirely familiar. Willow Creek Church is one of the hugest financial and growth success stories in Christianity, quote Christianity. It's been generally thought of as an evangelical church, But somehow it is not a Hagiite evangelical church. Uh, It's uh, sort of even-handed. What uh, Willow Creek specialized in was uh, Christian growth. And they basically published manuals and even sermons, which they then marketed to other pastors who wanted to grow their churches. And uh, Willow Creek at one time claimed, I believe, that they had some... 1,050, or maybe it was 2,050, but an enormous number, well over a 1,000 sister churches that had been started as a result of their program. Their own membership is in the tens of thousands, 10,000 or more, and it's in suburban Chicago, and there are actually about five Willow Creek churches that are all shown on their website. Is Willow Creek a Christian Zionist church? The answer has always been that they were, were kind of close to being a Christian Zionist church, you could read it either way. Uh, for instance, uh, they have a statement in their statement of principles that lends itself a little bit to the evangelical idea, uh, but uh, they they have not made a big thing about uh, Armageddon and the end times and a rapture. Uh, they've sort of treated that as uh, they've sort of ignored that in their statement position. Now, of course. That means that they have not taken the position that Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And whether or not Mr. Heibel has always felt that way, or whether he's been persuaded by his wife, or whether he's persuaded his wife to go out and carry out this mission, we, we don't happen to know. But it's tremendously encouraging. We've been, actually, we've spent a lot of time praying that there would be a big church leader somewhere of national stature who would come out for the Palestinian people, and proclaim that Christian Zionism is an error. So here we have Rabbi Yesheko Eckstein, who we've met, by the way, and who is never hesitant to tell uh, tell a small lie if it uh, is for the Israel's benefit. But in this case, he's pronouncing, singing the blues, uh, whimpering about this growth of Christian Zionism, anti-Christian Zionism, and he's dreamed up a new name for it. And uh, it is, Leslie, Christian-Palestinianism.
1: Palestinianism.
2: Palestinianism. Palestinianism. (laughs) Please pull that directly out of the hat. What it really is, of course, is a return to traditional Christianity, and that's one thing that he would never want to admit. He wants to try to blend it in and treat it as sort of a cult. Uh, Lynn Heibel is mentioned, and, of course, this Gary Burge, who is a teacher, at a Midwestern seminary in in Illinois, a small one, but is very uh, outspoken as an anti-Christian Zionist. And uh, uh, Gary Burge has been a leader uh, for a long time. We have a book of his and so on. And uh, these are people we've known about for a long time, and uh, we're delighted to see this happening and hope it is the beginning of a breakthrough. It could have very significant implications because the Heibel family has tremendous following in Christian circles, and a lot of that following is among evangelicals or even Christian Zionists who have built their church around his papers and his teaching.
1: A couple of additional notes here. Gary Burge is actually one of the people interviewed in this with God on our side, and there are a number of Jewish experts there too, so it's, you know, it is balanced from that standpoint. And uh, another thing, Lynn Heibel's, of course, has been a advocate of rights for the Palestinians, and she's going to be speaking at a Christ for the Checkpoint seminar next March in Bethlehem, Israel. And it's also interesting, in the Easter sermon of 2009, this Bill Hybels that we've been talking about had a sermon about walls. And he talked about... The Chinese, the Great Wall of China, and then the Berlin Wall that fell down. And the third example of a wall was the Israeli separation wall. So the fact that he even talked about it, praying that this can be resolved and so forth. So that right there is a a bold step to garner some enemies and people that don't like what they see.
2: Right, someone who believed Our that next. Israel was the fulfillment of biblical prophecy would then normally believe that Israel had a right to build any kind of wall it wanted to because it, has, it owns everything, and nobody else right. owns anything, and whatever Israel wants, Israel should have. Obviously, uh, Bill Heibel must not believe that, or he wouldn't have said that. Very good point, Tom. So, no. so we see these things as a tiny little step, but again, a breakthrough is what we need. We need one very important person, and of course, obviously, it would be a lot better if it was Bill Hybels rather than his wife, Uh, but it does sound like uh, this is a family affair, maybe, so it's a good omen, and we know of some other churches like that, and we could name them, but we won't go into it now, and we do think the tide is turning, and that's why we called our film The Tragedy and the Turning. The tragedy was Christian Zionism, and the turning is what we're waiting for.
1: Well... Uh, One of the things, if anybody is listening to this, people will say, well, what can I do? How can I influence in my church? And I don't have any magic bullet, but, for example, I'm sure many of you maybe have even gone to Israel, but it's very popular. There's over 10 million people that visit, tourists that visit Israel every year. So we have a group from our church going, and our Sunday school teacher is actually going to be leading it, or he's going to be adding commentary, so what I've done, I've just presented or composed a letter to him to give him the other side here, some things to consider about, and one of these is a copy of this with God on our side, and also a very powerful letter, and we'll have these resources available available from a Christian-Palestinian pastor who has experienced Christian Zionism firsthand. It's quite amazing, his story. And offering these kind of resources, also uh, the Kairos Palestine document, which was made in 2009 right before the attack by Israel on Gaza. It's a plea by Christian-Palestinian church leaders to the rest of the world for some kind of compassion there because we've seen this lack of compassion by the evangelical churches on for the most part, but like this previous discussion we talked about, we're seeing some cracks in that as people learn that there is another side to the story and they're seeing that there are some lies that are being promoted by the Israelis, even this fact of things like calling, uh, they don't even call them settlers in our news media, the illegal settlers they refer them to as uh, residents or something innocuous, actually, like they, they belong there. Euphemism. Than, that's a euphemism, right, uh, Leslie. The next item I want to talk about briefly, we, we actually have a little video we produced. It's called Solidarity Palestine Meets Occupy Phoenix. And you can watch the little video, and it's kind of fun. We joined a a group there called Code Pink that put together this vigil. But what was very interesting was the fact that we were right across the street from Occupy Phoenix. And we had a number of people we talked to, at least five, and several of them came over to our side of the street and joined us. And there's an interview with one of the fellows there, and he's concerned about war, and he held one of our signs, the No More Wars for Israel sign. And it's a a good little interview, and it's a good little piece to introduce people. And we hope more people in the Occupy Wall Street movements catch on. I just read something recently here where Occupy Wall Street in New York, the connecting with Palestine got a little bit rough. And as this uh, Jewish writer pointed out, that you've got the ADL is headquartered there, you know, so they've got a lot more clout right there, particularly with all the visibility. So getting this issue with Palestine connected with Occupy Wall Street, they do recognize the injustice. And so the people that we talk to there could see this injustice towards the Palestinians. And then our next item, we're gonna talk a little bit about the anti Sharia conference at the uh, Madison Church, the Cornerstones uh, Church in Madison, Tennessee. This is right outside of Nashville. We're going to post, actually, a, a, a interview on our good friend Mark Glenn's ugly truth, and it's an interview with Chuck Carlson, our leader, and Keith Johnson, who joined Chuck at this anti-Muslim Sharia law conference. They were telling people how bad... Of law was, but w- without getting into the details, Keith Johnson actually attended some of the seminar and he reports on it he does a very good job. And then the report by Chuck and Keith on the actual vigil, you'll really want to l- want to listen to this because the interesting thing is the pastor came out. We don't see that very often in our events. Once in a while, a pastor will come out, but. He was incensed enough to come out, and the ensuing discussion that went on between Chuck Carlson and this pastor, Mari Davis, are quite interesting as they describe it. One of the highlights Chuck was able to bring about was to get a local newspaper, the Tennessean, which I guess must be the, the biggest newspaper in Tennessee, printed a very good article, and I want Leslie, to read that for us,
3: please. Sure. Anti-Sharia Conference at Madison Church Spurs Vigil. A Colorado-based ministries group is planning to hold a vigil outside Cornerstone Church in Madison during morning services today in response to the Constitution or Sharia Conference held there Friday. In a letter to Cornerstone Pastor Maury Davis, dated November 5th, Charles E. Carlson of Project Straightgate urged the church to cancel the conference. Quote, the lead speakers are inflammatory, anti-Islamic racists who engender, if not openly, advocate war in Iran. Unquote. Carlson wrote, quote, this program is not about Sharia law or jihad, as is its pretext, it is about war. One or more hotels have canceled the event with good reason, and you have picked it up out of the gutter, unquote. The letter also encouraged Cornerstone members who would to meet with the group outside the church. Promises of a large sign reading, Who Would Jesus Bomb?, being displayed at the vigil, also were made. According to its website, Straight Gate, is an action program started by We Hold These Truths, a volunteer-led organization formed in 1996. The purpose of both groups, according to the site, is to reach out to lost sheep within the church who don't know they're lost. Project Straight Gate also focuses on war and its causes. It has confronted more than 50 megachurches, the site says. About 500 people attended the Sharia Law Conference Friday.
1: Great, thank you. So this was great because they actually did a little research. They went to our website and they, Chuck, they went beyond what Chuck wrote uh, there. They quoted though, but so this kind of publicity is, is great. One of the things you want to make sure you do, too, is also watch the little documentary called Not Welcome. And this is, uh, we see this, these kind of anti-Islamic conferences all over the country, and it seems to be very prevalent, the hate, hatred there in, in, in this area of Tennessee. In fact, there was, and Keith Johnson talks about this in the interview that we just mentioned, about a Islamic group, they had a mosque in Murfreesboro, which is south of, of Nashville, that was going to build an Islamic center. They were in a small facility, and the the hate campaigns that were were uh, directed at them are quite amazing, and they were documented by this this uh, documentary called "Not Welcome." It's it's quite eye opening, and By listening to the interview with Chuck and uh, Keith Johnson and watching this video, Not Welcome, you'll get a real understanding of the irrational nature of Christian Zionists uh, as a religious belief that's so tightly wound that they... Uh, can't be swayed by uh, facts because they've got all the facts. They know the facts about Israel, and i will tell you about that. They know the facts that all the Palestinians are troublemakers and, and uh, terrorists and, and all these kind of things.
2: And, and all the facts, of course, are collected from Israeli sources like the ones we refer, referred to earlier this evening.
1: Yes,
4: absolutely.
1: Okay, let's move on to our next one,
4: uh, Travis. U.S. war rhetoric. The Road to Sedition, Press TV, November 15, 2011. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina, said Sunday, quote, totally, absolutely without any doubt, the Iranians, if they develop a nuclear weapon, dot, 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 the whole region is going to want a nuclear weapon. Then you march down the road of Armageddon. If you open Pandora's box, if you attack Iran, if they get a nuclear weapon, you empty Pandora's box, that's the world we live in. So I support the option of military option as a last resort, end quote. Editors, note, note the use of the word Armageddon straight out of the Judeo-Christian cult mythology. Senator Graham is playing upon the church training of the Christian Zionist sect to nod their heads and say, it's all prophecy in Scripture. Jesus is coming back on the heels of the destruction of Iran and Ahmadinejad is the Antichrist. Might point out also that uh, Israel has sufficient nuclear weapons to have already caused a problem in the area. Wow! Well,
1: <laughs> yes, with over 200, we don't know what the the actual count is, but they seem to ignore that. Yeah, it, it is amazing. Okay, that's our report for today.